and welcome to Tops 10, brought to you by KTXT Radio and the College of Media and Communication at Texas Tech University in beautiful Lubbock. Tops 10 seeks out successful and influential people in politics and government, the many professions, the physical and social sciences, or the arts and humanities, and asks them to reveal their lives, ideas, and ideals through their playlist. Our format is simple. We ask our guests what pieces of music mean the most to them and to tell us the story behind the infatuation. Mr. Derek Enter is our producer-engineer. I'm David Perlmutter, a professor at and dean of the college and originator and host of Tops 10. Today I have with me Jana Hunter. Jana Hunter joined the Lubbock area affiliate of Susan J. Coleman as executive director in February 2015. Her experiences at the YWCA of Lubbock and as a breast cancer co-survivor helped prepare her for the position. Jana, what do you mean by co-survivor? Because I'm going to ask you some questions which probably are super obvious to anyone in your profession, but sure. like I'm assuming, especially with our audience, some people may not necessarily right. know all the nomenclature you would you know, having more experience in life. Sure. A co-survivor is a person who walks along a survivor's journey with them. It's really as simple as that. It could be a family, friend. It could be a person could have many co-survivors. And so it's not necessarily that close family unit or that, that immediate family, but someone who walks along that journey as they go through breast cancer. Jenna's worked at the, in the athletic media relations departments of Abilene Christian University, her alma mater, and the University of Tennessee in Knoxville, and the University of Washington in Seattle, at the Human Kinetics Publishing as an acquisitions editor in the trade division, and at the YWCA of Lubbock as director of support services. A West Texas native, she grew up in a pasture in Howard County. She grew up on a ranch in Glasscock County before crisscrossing the country for jobs, greenery, and adventure. She loves to go outside, play, laugh, read, and write. Arithmetic is just okay. That's pretty cute. cute. <laughs> Jana has competed in basketball, road races, adventure races, board games, everything. You're, you're competitive. Well, I, you're a competitive person, aren't you? I have been told that, yes. Yeah, so you want to win. I do. My mom actually got me a T-shirt once that said, if I can't win, I don't want to play. Well, that's very interesting. There's a, a famous interchange in the um, Star Trek New Generation show. I don't know if you ever watched. I didn't watch a lot of it, but there's a, there's a Klingon character, and right. the human is trying to explain. Like sometimes you play a game, and it doesn't matter who wins or loses. And right. the Klingon says, "Like, well, why would you ever play a yeah. game where it doesn't matter who wins <laughs> or loses? Only play games to win, right?" Yeah. Right, right. Do you only play to win? Well, I I've, I'd like to think I've grown up a little bit since since that time, but it depends on the game, and it depends on my competitive level. Also, Matt depends on who I'm competing or playing this game with and if I really have no chance of winning then I back off that competitive because then I get invested and I know I'm going to lose and so have you ever in a board game and I love board games have you ever like gotten so mad and just flipped the board and walked away no but I did I did whack my sister one time because really? we were playing Pictionary and she was leading the the team down the wrong path and I just needed her to be quiet well you were guiding her I was. To the right path, right? That, that's correct. So your parents really should have commended you for that. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Co-parenting. Right. right. Okay, yes. Good. <laughs> when she gets swept up with the wrong crowd, we'll ask about that, she ends up climbing Mount Rainier, wow, Washington State, or hiking the Appalachian Trail. I, I, I like a lot of people my age. I've I read Bill Bryson's book, yes. you know, uh, 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 A Walk in the Woods, about right. and which recently came out as what looked like a terrible movie. I didn't it, see it. It wasn't very good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, about the Appalachian Trail, and one of the things, Bry and this is probably twenty years ago. I think he wrote the book. He said that a lot of people spend a lot of money, you know, planning like I'm going to walk the Appalachian Trail, which right. is like two thousand yes. miles or something. Like yes, that. and they buy like the best possible equipment, and they're just ready to go, and like. Two miles into it. In fact, <laughs> some of the stores, especially stores in like the Georgia area, yeah. f where the southern route, you know, southern, southern northern route, right. the, they actually 
they they purposely say like you know we'll we'll buy your equipment back at like ten percent of the dollar or something like that. And they, right. that they make a huge profit yes. <laughs> because so many people quit after like a mile or two. Right. How much of it have you done? We went about a week. Um, I have a, uh, one of my adventure racing friends, that one of the wrong crowd people that I get swept up in, what tried to do the whole thing, and he probably got two thirds of the way through. Yeah. Um, his he has a business that have his, they found his body yet or they no, they no. pieces of it. Yeah. Okay. No. Yeah. <laughs> He had. He needed to get back. Just, to just the last picture on his camera were these cute bear cubs, right? That, that, that is that's correct. That's the story of the Appalachian Trail. <laughs> that, but there's some people who are hiking the trail, which just they don't. They've never. I mean, they've looked at it on a map. So you've done how much of the trail? So I want to say that we did about 75 miles um, during that week. Um, but my friend did, uh, and we, uh, another friend and I, joined him in Pennsylvania. And you don't know. You don't know that Pennsylvania is all rock until you start hiking the Appalachian yeah. Trail. And yeah. it was just, I wrote a, a You can't, a recap what Bryson says, like, you don't see anything because you're looking down at your feet the entire right. time. Right, exactly. Yeah. Just rocks. Big rocks, little rocks, rocks that are stuck in the ground, rocks that are loose, boulders, rocks that jut up like and razor think blades. And you the government would just clear out the rocks so we could have, and the bugs too, and yes. the bears. So yes. we just have paved. Right, you know. nice. Yeah. Well, not paved. You know, we still want to be a little <laughs> rustic, but just like a nice, smooth trail. I've heard people like like leave complaints like, you know, there were rocks all over. The, there were trees in the way, you know, or something. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Now, we have, of course, songs uh, that you've picked as the ones that mean the most to you. And your first one is Something That We Do by Clint Black. Right. So um, that's a story about about love. And, um, you know, it's... Is it, is it about sacrifice as well as love? It's... In a sense, it is. You you know, it's like it, love isn't something that you you don't fall into love. It's something that you do. You know, it's that love is patient, love is kind, love is yours, and love is mine. It isn't something that you find. It's something that you do. You know, it's just not. It, it love is a verb. It's not a, a an emotion or a feeling. I remember well the day we went. I can see that picture in my head. I still believe the words we said Forever will ring true Love is certain, love is kind Love is yours and love is mine But it isn't something that we find It's something that we do It's holding tight, letting go It's flying high and laying low let your strongest feelings show And your weakness too It's a little and a lot to ask An endless and a welcome task Love isn't something that we have It's something that we do We have to make each other all that we can be Though we can find Independently The way we work together Is what sets our love apart So closely that we can't tell Where I end and where you start It gives me heart remembering How we started with a simple vow there's so much to look back on now Still it feels brand new We're on a road that has no end And each day 
something that we're in It's something that we do Obviously, you're in a profession now. Or you always were in a profession which was about action, doing things, right? right. Whether it was YWCA or Susan, Susan G. Komen. Right. So how did you move from a successful career in athletics to Susan G. Komen? Is it an extension of doing and action and, I guess, even athleticism to, um, to that journey? I, I think, it, I think it, it does. I think all of it plays a part. Certainly, everything that I've done has... Um, prepared me for what I'm doing now. You know, in media relations and college athletics, you kind of have to be able to, you're sort of a jack of all trades. Like, I'm not a master of anything. Um, but I can figure a lot of things out, and I can do something well enough to move us forward. And so, you know, in college athletics, you're on the road, and it's back before internet, almost. Um, and so you're you're plugging into a landline trying to send statistics to the newspaper. Uh, but all those things, um, all those experiences just kind of teach you. And, and part of growing up between a cotton field and a pasture, you just learn to figure things out. You learn to, to make do and make the best of everything. And so I think that has certainly helped with this career. But um, I went from, from college athletics to a self-employment uh, writing, editing. I had a business partner. We were um, had a communications PR publications uh, company. And from there, I was looking for freelance writing opportunities and wound up at the sports and fitness publishing company. Um, and then from there, uh, came to Lubbock uh, for family reasons and started writing again uh, after that publishing. And so I ghost wrote a few books, uh, co-wrote one, and um, it was during that time that a friend of mine had a friend on the YWCA's board and said, hey, we, we, we need some help. We're not really sure, maybe communications type help, we're not really sure what, but would you go talk to the executive director? And I did, and uh, wound up working there five and a half years and was a great mentor that really prepared me for, for this. After the YWCA, I actually moved to Austin for a year and a half, and again, writing, editing, and then this opportunity with Susan G. Komen came up, and I think they, I wasn't sure, I mean, it, the, uh, my boss at the YWCA, executive director over like several million dollar organization with 250 part-time employees and 50 full-time and buildings and childcare, and I'm thinking, I, that seems like a, like, and so to me, that's what an executive director was. You've got that amount of responsibility. And I thought, I'm not sure. But Susan G. Komen doesn't have buildings. And, you know, we have 2.5 employees. And um, and so our focus is, is different than operations. Uh, and so I, I, in a sense, they convinced me that, yeah, you are the person that we're looking for. Your, your experience in nonprofit, your experience as a co-survivor, your experience in, in communications, your experience, your passion to help people sort of all folded in together mm -hmm. to say, you're what we're looking for. What do you do? For Susan, how would you describe your your a day in your your life? Right, yeah. um, a lot of administrative, um, a lot of you know. At this point in the organization's life, we went through a couple of years that were fairly tumultuous before I got here. Staff leaving, um, people resigning, just some some things like that. Nothing that was which often nonprofits it's, struggle with because you know the pay is not the best. That's and correct. People. Often, and, and, and as I understand it, people get burnt out pretty easily, right. too. Right. You have yeah. to really, and that's something I have to really watch for. 
it has always been such a strong organization in Lubbock. But the processes, you know, the day-to-day processes, how do we do things, what should our focus be, um, is a lot of what I've done the past 18, 20 months is, is in a sense, stabilize the staff. We're all new. We, you know, no one has done what we do right now before. And so just trying to get everything sort of running more smoothly in that way. You know, we have Race for the Cure in October, and that's a huge endeavor. Usually we'll start about now, maybe December, starting to prepare for race. And we essentially pulled it off in about four or five months last year. And so um, that was really intense. But what Komen does locally, and really each affiliate around the country, there are about 100, is we raise money uh, to meet the most critical needs locally and to help fund research. And then that's that happens everywhere. And so those funds are granted out to organizations that then perform those services or, or provide those services. and so You're a clearinghouse for things. You don't directly in, do something yourself, right? I mean, you don't, like, you don't have we scientists don't, working for you. Right. right. We don't schedule mammograms. We don't, we don't make appointments with people who need wigs or prosthetic forms or lymphedema sleeves. We grant that money out. Now, we do have a, a program called Connections that, that we do execute ourselves, and that is connecting survivors to support systems to whether that's people who've gone through breast cancer before and they're much farther along in their journey to maybe talk through what this newly diagnosed person is about to go through or connect them with support in terms of like discussion groups led by licensed therapists. Um, we connect them to, to information, just trying to connect them to wellness, over to health overall, so that then they attain a, a better sense of health and wellness. Your next song is famous, Drummer Boy. Yes. And now that's a song about some, now this is an issue obviously you face all the time because I'm sure you meet people like, well, you know, I, I can't give you a million dollars, so right. I can't help you, right? Right. But in any cause, and I know this because we, we work with a lot of nonprofits. You know, yeah. we have a lot of campaigns classes which take on a right. nonprofit as a, as a client. Right. Um, they're often trying to get all sorts of people to help. Right. Right? Not yes. just somebody donating large amounts of money. That's correct. Yes. And what I love about that song is just what you said is do your best. You know, the, the, the poor boy has no means to lay a fancy present at this at altar or whatever it was. Um, that everybody else is doing, and so they felt really inadequate and uh, unable to help. And so he just played his played his drum. He did, and, and I played my best for him. Is my favorite line. It's you just do your best, and your best might be five dollars in in terms of donation. Your best might be a thousand. It might be a million dollars. But the more people that help, the less we need the million dollar folks. We just need. There's critical need on the South Plains, and you know you've got 40 people living in, you know, 250 percent of poverty or lower, and so it's hard for middle class people to afford health care at some in, in some situations. And so, Komen, you know, started in 19 35 years ago, 1982. You couldn't say breast cancer in public, and certainly not yeah, in the I'm media. old enough to remember, was the the Mary Tyler Moore movie, like, was it like First She Cried or something? I forget what the exact title was, but it yeah. was one of the, but it, it was a movie like, we can talk about breast cancer. Yeah. And the loss of a, of a, of a breast and thing. It was just, it was just like a new shocking. Yes. To, talk, to bring, bring this out. Yes. Where cancer itself was not right. something you would 
discuss. Right. Uh, I mean, you go back in time, a lot of people would say, oh, I think he has cancer. You know, just, yeah. I mean, just as if it's sort of a hidden illness. Right, you know? right. In this, in the next 35 years, there's such progress in in all cancers, and in breast cancer specifically, I mean, you can't walk through October without being hit in your face with pink. And you've got various iterations of pink ribbon and such. Susan G. Komen was the first organization. I mean, it was it started that whole movement and that all the progress that we've made up until this point in terms of, you know, that five-year relative survival rate is from went from 74% to 99% right now. I mean, it, we've made significant, pro, you know, progress that used to be radical mastectomies for anyone. And now we've got very targeted treatments. And yet... We're not there yet. And so uh, we set a bold goal as an organization in September to reduce the number of breast cancer deaths in the United States by 50% within the next decade. And so... That is bold. Yes. And what I really love about how that goal came about is senior leadership at headquarters was thinking, you know, it's time to set, it's time to move the bar up. You know, it, it... Um, We've made so much progress, and now we need to really push ourselves and refocus and figure out how do we make the next leap. Our finest gifts we bring. Can it be years from now? Perhaps we'll see our day of glory. Say the song is I Run for Life by Melissa Etheridge. Yes. Now, and, and I had not heard of this song before you, you okay. asked to play there. Now, so this is 
the theme song for? It has been before. Yeah. Um, when it came out, yes. You know, and Melissa went through breast cancer herself, yeah. and so um, wrote that song about you can fight it. Basically, they may yeah. take a piece of my body, but they'll never take a piece of my soul. And so I run for life. I run for your, for you, your mom, your aunt, your grandmother, your sister. I'm with you in spirit. Uh, as you go through that journey. And, I, and I've been through the journey and I know what you're talking about. It's been years since they told her about it The darkness her body possessed And the scars are still there in the mirror Every day that she gets herself dressed Though the pain is miles and miles behind her And the fear is now a docile beast If you ask her why she is still running She'll tell you it makes her complete I run for hope just said we're not there yet and right. I think and I'm going to ask some of the obvious questions sure. you probably get asked a lot is that you pointed to some success stories some some rates have in- increased do you ever feel uncomfortable using the word cure short as a few years ago um, Coleman talked about finding the cure finding the cure and because of the progress that we've made and we know so much more about breast cancer now it's the cures it's not one cure it's it's a lot there are, I mean there are like four subsets of breast cancer and probably a dozen beneath that um, in in those four big buckets and so it's not the cures and if you'll notice the focus for us right now is not the cure it's reducing the number of deaths. What's interesting is in that West Texas upbringing, my dad is very health conscious. He's, and he believes in natural cure or natural, I mean, you, you feed your body good foods and the minerals and things that, that it needs and it's more likely to remain healthy. It's Which a, is true. Yes. And but there's, there's, but there's, apricot there's, pits are not gonna cure your breast cancer. That it's is unlikely, easy. that yeah, is correct. Yeah, yeah. And yet, 
you have doctors who prescribe chemo when it isn't necessary. And so you've got, I mean, you really have to have an open mind. And um, and my advice would be to really research your particular kind of cancer. What are all the options and which one makes most sense for you? Um, Because it isn't all mastectomies and chemo that make sense. In fact, um, my co-survivor was stage two, uh, 2B, and uh, she had a few lymph nodes impacted, and that is an automatic, you get chemo, because the lymph nodes, they are in the lymph nodes, which means the cancer cells could be in the rest of the body, uh, those particular cancer cells. And she said, I don't want to do chemo. I don't, you're not talking about my cancer. And so there's a, a, a test called the Oncotype test, mm-hmm. and they test that, your tumor, for how it would react to chemotherapy. And it's a scale of 1 to 100, 18 and below. There's no, there's no, you, you, sh- you don't need, ke- you shouldn't, not that you shouldn't do chemo. Chemo doesn't impact the tumor. And hers was a 15. So it's like her gut reaction was chemo is an unnecessary risk to my particular tumor. What's really cool about the bold goal that I mentioned is we have two initiatives that to get there. And one is to really refine our the research dollars that we grant out to um, the most deadly forms of cancer and, and metastatic cancer. And so, in a sense, at this point, it's it's what we know. It's the best we, we've got. Um, and so until that system changes, this is our best hope. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. I, I just, but you, you understand, because you live it much more than I do, the frustration I see in a lot of people that just, gosh, we're still doing stuff that's... Right. You know. And how long has the American Cancer Society been around? Yeah. 100 years. Yeah. And yeah. so it's... Yeah. Your, your next song is West Texas by <laughs> Doug, Doug Smith. Yeah, one of the things that struck me when I went to the Ranching Heritage Center, and I've mentioned before in this show, is, as you mentioned, neighbors. Like, those yes. people in some of those small ranch houses, their, ne- their neighbor was five miles away right. or ten miles away. And they had a bell. <laughs> and if there was trouble of some kind, including attack, right. they would ring that bell. And you sort of depended on your neighbor to, to jump on a horse yeah. <laughs> with their gu- their rifle and ride hard to come help you. Right. Now, that you have to have a pretty good relationship with your neighbor. Yes. And, and when he asks you for a favor, she asks you for a favor, you return that favor, that, that web of, like, of help. Right. And so I always say, and I, sometimes I guess it's insulting to people outside of West Texas, I say, I've lived many places where people are friendly, but in West Texas, people are helpful. Yeah, it's true. And it's what I found about West Texans, extremely helpful. They will they will do what they can. And yet they also, it's this idea of they're also independent because they their ancestors grew up where they had to ring a bell and hope that someone comes. But you only rang a bell for an emergency. Yes. You didn't like, you know, it's not like help crying. me fix my fence or something. Right. You got out there and fixed your own fence. <laughs> you know, I need a I need a cup of sugar to yeah. make these cookies. Yeah. And so it is. It's that um, two almost extremes of don't bother me, don't impose upon me, and yet if you need something, I'm I will be the first one there.
Several of your songs have a religious. Are, are you religious? I am spiritual. I grew up. What's in, the difference? With, I mean, I, I know I've heard that before. Right. What, what, what to use the difference? Yeah, and it and it. Sweet is his word by Katie Freeze is your next song. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I grew up in a in a very conservative church, um, in a very conservative area of the country, and um, a great foundation, a great knowledge of the Bible. And as I've grown older and experienced more of life, and kind of had thoughts and talked to wise people about theology and God and and the Bible and such, there's this concept that I've learned recently, and it's there's a God as theology. There's God is theology because we've got the Bible and we have, you know, do we baptize it? Do we sprinkle? Do we dunk? Do we baptize? It, you know, when at 12 years old, or is it at an infant, or piano or no piano? And just you know, are you once saved, always saved, or you can fall from grace? So all that theological doctrine to me is in the religious category. The spiritual category for me is whatever the higher power is, whatever you call it, um, God or the universe or Mother Earth or there's that spiritual component. There's something out there. There's energy out there that you can't really explain. You can't necessarily see, but there's something bigger than you going on. And um, and the, the that flip side of that God is theology, God as relational. And so God is everywhere. He's in you. He's in me. Um, he's in the, the students walking down the hall. He's in the, the West Texas sunset that you can imagine when Doug Smith is playing his song. That's what I mean by religious versus spiritual. I don't I'm not as interested in the theology as I am kind of living in a way that is patient, calm, and kind, that, that kind of shows love. When you're talking to somebody that's going through the journey right. of cancer diagnosis and, and treatment, obviously a lot of people, either they're, they're already people of faith or they, mm -hmm. they, they turn to faith for strength or right. their family turns to, to faith for strength. Do you, do you have any advice for them? I think that people who have faith, whatever it looks like, and, and whether they can really define it or not, they're more likely to, to have a, a more peace about, not that it's peaceful, but that they have a, a calmer sense that there's something higher that's out there bringing comfort to me, whether it's healing, and sometimes there are people that believe they've been healed, and, I, and who am I to say yes or no to that? But what spirituality and religion do and, and is it's another community to be a part of, and it's not the only community. People align themselves in political communities or athletic communities or people who love dogs. I mean, there's just a lot of type of communities, but it's just another community that you're close to people, and, and so you have more community around you when you're going through something like this. Are you wondering about those tears? Ten thousand sorrows and as many joys The ache of the living and the silence of the dying These things shall all pass away separate us separate us from him oh nothing 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 at all creation 
can ever separate us, separate us from Him. Angels, triumphant angels, they'll be bringing good news. Demons, many demons, they'll be talking to you. And the cries of the living and the fears of the dying, oh, these things will all pass away, and nothing, nothing, nothing in this world can ever separate us, separate us from you. Separate ours from you. Your next song is Why Walk When You Can Fly by Mary Chapin Carpenter. You've known people who've lost the battle. Right. Right. I mean, they, they, they've passed away. Right. Do you see at the end there people who have said, well, you know, I've I fought the good fight, you know. I mean, okay. Yeah. Uh, is there value in that, or, or do, do you? I mean, should you be raging <laughs> to the end? I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think of what, what is the advice to somebody who, you know, the, the proverbial stage four, right? right. I, mean, you, I mean, you really have been told that's it. Right. Uh, or you get your, your, you know, your whatever your test is. You know, that's that's the right. There's nothing more the, we can the do. The zero percent survivor rate. Right. Right. Uh, the, w- w- what do you see people? do at that point yeah and it's so and i had uh, a, a sister of someone who is in that very situation uh reach out to us this week um to to find help find someone to talk with her sister um just about uh, maybe acceptance or um just talking through things and it is so so personal some people are going to fight to the i mean they they feel like this is a fight i'm going to I'm going to exhaust every possibility that science or, and nature have created, in a sense, uh, or that exists. And some people, I don't know if you know, uh, if you knew Ted Dotz. Um, he no. he was the uh, St. John's University Methodist Church pastor for, I don't know, 15, 18 years, and uh, then became a medical ethicist at Covenant. Um, uh, just a very, very—he's my spiritual mentor. Very impactful. Was always um, kind of pushing, and pushing isn't how Ted did things, but advancing social justice causes. And in the end, he died of bone cancer. And it's most likely that it was the prostate cancer that was found ten years prior that then metastasized. And his his stance was. I'm 80 years old. I've lived a wonderful life. I don't want to take resources from the community, from mm-hmm. others, to extend my life by six months or a year or, or whatever it might be. And he didn't want his quality of life to diminish in that way. And so you've got those two extremes of what do we do in the face of death, in a sense. And that's about the most personal thing, that most, most personal decision you can be faced with. 
In this world there's a whole lot of trouble, baby. In this world there's a whole lot of pain. In this world there's a whole lot of trouble, but a whole lot of ground to gain. Why take when you could be giving? Why watch as the world goes by? It's a hard enough life to be living. Why walk when you can fly? There's a whole lot of sorrow in this world. There's a whole lot of shame in this world. There's a whole lot of sorrow and a whole lot of ground to gain. When you spend your whole life wishing, wanting and wondering why, it's a long enough life to be living. Why walk when you can fly? Your next song. Is Harper Valley PTA right. by Jeannie C. Riley, famous song. Yeah. Barbara Eden made a sort of movie about it. It was a TV movie, or I think, yes. I think, I think yep. years ago. Yeah. Doesn't seem to be part of the norm, but but this is somebody who's taking action, right, and standing up for themselves and yes. fighting. So yes. maybe it's part of the theme of well, action, fight, yeah. struggle. And, and so you've got this single mother, yeah. um, the husband, and the the father has died. She's widowed. A oh, widowed. Do, wife. do we know, do we know that? We do. That's yeah. the first line of the song. It was a widowed wife. Yeah. And and her daughter comes home with this letter, and the PTA thinks she's wearing her skirts too high and, and running around with men and going wild. The PTA happens to meet that very afternoon. She goes, she marches herself down there in her mini skirt. And the way the song reads, the daughter must have gone to because it's sort of from the daughter's perspective. And she says, okay, so, you know, Mr. Harper right there has asked me for a date seven times. And when he's away, his wife uses a lot of ice. And somebody stayed at the bar too long last night, and so they can't even be here today. And why does this woman undress with her shades all the way up? She, her shades could, should be completely down. And so the whole thing is, this is a bunch of, you, you're hypocritical. You're telling me to live one way and you're living the same way. And so you're just a bunch of hypocrites. I'm doing the best I can with my daughter in raising her. I want to tell you all a story about a Harper Valley widowed wife Who had a teenage daughter who attended Harper Valley Junior High Well, her daughter came home one afternoon and didn't even stop to play she said, Mama got a note here from the Harper Valley PTA. Well, the note said, Mrs. Johnson, you're wearing your dresses way too high. It's reported you've been drinking and are running around with men and going wild. And we don't believe you ought to be a bringing up your little girl this way. Signed by the Secretary Harper Valley PTA Well, it happened that the PTA Was gonna meet that very afternoon And they were sure surprised When Mrs. Johnson wore her miniskirt Into the room And as she walked up to the blackboard I can still recall 
the shades off or completely down next song has of course come back uh, in the news because Leonard Cohen died recently right uh, and I, I guess this is probably his most famous song although he had a lot of very famous songs yes. hallelujah by Leonard Cohen right and you know I almost didn't include it because I don't really know how to talk about it I'm not for sure what it means I just I think it's just so I just love it it's just such a powerful the melody, the words put together, I mean, it's just this, the whole piece of great music. It's such a feeling song. It's so, it just evokes, you know, emotions of almost despair and hope. And maybe that's, maybe that's why it's the full human experience. I've heard there was the secret chord that David played and it pleased the Lord. But you don't really care for music. It goes like this The fourth, the fifth The minor fall The major lift The baffled king Composing Hallelujah 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 It's not a cry 
that you're here tonight It's not some pilgrim who claims to have seen the light No, it's a cold and it's a very broken Hallelujah Hallelujah Flats. Now, is that 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 obviously by the title? But I, you know, listening again, a song I hadn't heard of until mm-hmm. you suggested it. It's about fighting. Well, it's it really is about um, it's about a human relationships, and I'm not letting go of you. You may feel lost, you may feel alone, um, you may feel you can't go on, but I won't let go of you. I'm here for you, and for me, it's it goes both ways. I'm here for for my 
my friends. I'm here for the breast cancer survivors. I'm here for this, for that fight. I won't let go of this. And yet, I've had so many people in my life be the ones holding on to me when I'm going through tough times. And so it's just this, I'm with you. I'm, I'm here for you. Yeah, when when people get the diagnosis, obviously everybody's different, right? Right. Uh, and we live in an era now, uh, again, something that somebody would have to look up on Wikipedia, the, the post-Phil Donahue era where, you know, people... He was a talk show host for our younger listeners who, <laughs> who was really one of the very first who talked about everything. You know, I mean, yes. things that just nobody talked about, whether it was homosexuality or, or cancer or, right. or rape, that he, let's talk about it. Right. Okay. So now everybody talks about everything. Yes. And do you still find people, though, who say, you know, I, I really just don't want to talk about it. I just want to go on with my life and I don't want to be in, like, talk therapy. I don't want people yes. holding my hand. I don't want people, you know posting cheering me i don't want a carrying bridge uh, right so I, I, I just want to just do my stuff and go get my treatment but not yes engage in any real communicative therapy about right. it right is that is you, you see that that's problematic or that's just somebody's choice and it, it works for them yeah i think i think it's again so individual so personal if you know if there are people who are naturally emotive to begin with they're going to be more likely to to want to discuss and and talk through things you know i am one who believes in therapy and have experienced it and i think that talking through things is really valuable whether it's with a a trusted friend or a partner or a minister or a licensed therapist Um, but i think sometimes people it's another fear because it's hard. It's it's hard to say, you know, what happened in your childhood that has led you to this, or why do you feel this way? And and really, sort of maybe unpacking some feelings and memories that you had from many years ago and talking through them is painful. I mean, it's like ripping the scab off, and yet right. then it's sore heals yeah. at much better. And so sometimes I think people might shy away from joining a, a supportive discussion group because they are afraid of being vulnerable. Yeah. And I think being vulnerable isn't a, th- a thing that society values necessarily. It's like a storm that cuts a path It breaks your will It feels like that You think you're lost But you're not lost on your own You're not alone I will
your last song is Just As I Am by Charlotte Elliott. Now, you have obviously done a lot of things. And again, I, I'm reading and you're telling me that the theme in your life is is activity. Right. Like you, you are competitive. So what would you like upon your retirement many years from now, mm-hmm. after working with Susan J. Cohen, what would you like people to describe your contribution, your, your, your I am, you know, mm-hmm. what you've done mm-hmm. that in moving the needle or moving the, the ball forward? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, it's probably like a job question. You know, where would you like to be five years Right, later? right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would like to leave, I mean, this is cliche, Komen and the movement stronger than when I arrived, and that, uh, and that's not only financially, but also, in a sense, Susan G. Komen has become so familiar that I think people aren't aware that we still have a ways to go, and so almost reinvigorating that movement locally. But really, when it comes down to it, I want to, I want to have been kind and respectful to people as I. As I'm active, I want to make sure I'm not steamrolling, hitting people like I hit my sister when they were leading us on the right track. But but she she improved for that. You you already said that. It right? is true. We did she actually. Still, she still probably thanks you for that. I think, and we yeah. won that particular round. A dictionary. There you go. Yeah. Right. 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 You crushed your your mother and her aunt. Right. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> it was Thanksgiving. Did you jump up and say, "In your face, Aunt Aunt Edna"? You know. <laughs> yes. Um, and so just the manner in which I do things, even though doing things is so, it's just ingrained in me. I, I can't sit still. Um, you know, when I was writing and editing, I think I have an aptitude for that. And yet it's so slow and still yeah. that I can't do that forever. Um, and so activity is, is so important. But I think the, I, 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 want to, I want to be respectful of how it's done. Well, I want to thank you for joining us today, and I think uh, West Texas and Susan G. Komen are, are very lucky to have you moving us forward and wanting to win. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. Just